everyone to the outtakes movie podcast i'm sam and we are still going on a quest to go through every single movie ever made and objectively rank them the best and worst of all time i'm joined as always by my almost full team we'll start with the ones that are here amelia what go on yeah, but dream team we we didn't need the other slacker <laughs> what do you know about <laughs> movies anyway he doesn't yeah <laughs> no we're joking we miss you too busy yeah. not having wi-fi like a weirdo so you know. <laughs> imagine like doing things like progressing your life instead of watching 2009 disney movies what a loser what a, yeah. <laughs> being an adult sucks Sorry, <laughs> 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 and how's things joe yeah it's all right nice burn, nice burn. pretty all right excellent well so this week's movie is as alluded to and in the title princess and the frog whoa what fun this is we'd, we've done a disney movie before right like a disney we have, animated we've, we've not done a disney musical princess film right yeah because we've done pirates and yeah. something done else treasure planet treasure island treasure planet was animated god you got the title wrong and it's like your thing <laughs> i oh said the gosh. original version i, said I remember the soft material title so because that know. movie's so much your thing that i thought you were hosting that week by accident and jacob got very mad at me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah uh so let's take a look back see at what pop culture was like in 2009 for the release of princess and the frog we'll start as we always do with the pop charts and it is very 2009 yeah. so this this came out in december as all of the like i swear like the past five movies have all been december movies it's ridiculous big time for family movies isn't it yeah so we've got we've got two designated christmas songs that are coming pretty close number 31 fairy tale of new york number 29 all i want for christmas everything else is general pop charts garbage so we start with <laughs> number 20 well to be fair i say garbage most of these are all right uh number 26 is bad boys by alexandra burke do you remember when she was briefly like that's the that one song? i mean she's done very well for herself now uh in the west end she was in the bodyguard i think yeah, alexandra burke did you say yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah, she played the bodyguard in Manchester quite recently. Oh, well, she was going to, whatever it was. Which is rad, so good for her. Um, number 20, I Got a Feeling by The Black Eyed Peas. I got a feeling. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we are here. These uh, are actual year six. It's got songs <laughs> for me. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they're going to come up again, by the way, The Black Eyed Peas. So listen out. Uh, number there was like a big sort of dearth between 20 and 10 so my next point of note is number seven but then we're on an almost almost every song up until number one is included here so number seven tiktok by kesha oh my god do you guys remember when the simpsons did that Jeez. tiktok like intro no have you not no. seen it right no. when you when you finish google it the simpsons did, i don't know if it, i'm pretty sure it was official and it was like bart singing no it was lisa singing tick tock on the clock with like all the simpsons people like it's really weird. it's really weird google it that makes <laughs> me really sad i said it now you've now you've sang the song i actually can picture i think i might have seen it I probably god i've heard that song in actual actual years remember when the simpsons was like actually good though yeah <laughs> we were having this conversation literally earlier today in work yeah 
Oh, man. It's like, it's worse now that it's so readily accessible on Disney Plus because I can literally, I can just, I can just go back and The Simpsons was amazing and it's still amazing and it's still really funny and witty. And like then somewhere around season 12, it just, it just plummets. I don't know what happened. Something must have happened. Something, something must happen. I don't know. Uh, number six is what you say, Jason Derulo. What you say? (laughs) (laughs) That's the song I want to play at my funeral, you know. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) But you only mean well. This like picture of me, like you know. I'm thinking of doing the same thing. If if someone if someone if if I have like um some kind of bizarre comedically funny death, if someone could (laughs) film that me dying and play Johnny. Uh, uh, Johnny Cash's hurt over the footage as it slowed down <laughs> at my funeral. That'd be amazing. <laughs> what would be classed as a comedically funny death, though? I don't like tripping over a brick or something, you know, or slipping on a banana peel, and I just, you know, and it, it breaks that my skull. One, that and that's was, violent, that but you know, the actual you know, cause of it. <laughs> you go visit Niagara Falls and you slip and fall on a banana peel and go over the edge. <laughs> what? <laughs> You, you could comedic. have it all as I'm fucking falling 500 <laughs> feet. <laughs> See, right, if you're in charge, if I'm in charge of that situation, right, you're going to get hurt, but you're not going to get the Johnny Cash version. You're going to get the Kermit the Fog version. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you nice. Have it all. You <laughs> <have it> all. <laughs> Number five. We're in bad territory here. Number five was uh, You Are Not Alone by the X Factor finalists. Not the fun breakfast club You Are Not Alone. The um, You Are Not Alone. Yeah, Yeah, that one. Um, Number four, Meet Me Halfway by the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, that was a tune. That That one. Entire album fucking dominated the charts for all of 2009. That Boom Boom Pow was on that. Rock That Body was on that. Oh my God. God. You know what's really sad? In like 50 years or 100 years, this is going to be classic classical music. <laughs> You're so 2008. No, You're so 2000 and late. Music. <laughs> I like to listen to classical music. Mimi No, no. <laughs> Go do it. That's what it's going to be when we're all in like old folks' homes. Young, like, like the Boy Scouts are going to come in and perform the Black Eyed Peas for us. <laughs> but like they don't, they don't understand that like, like they think classical music includes like the Charleston. So they're going, meet me halfway. Right <laughs> the buying all of it. Because <laughs> it's all old. So my humps, my humps, my humps, my humps. My lovely lady <laughs> They're going to come in, they're going to be like, oh, Grandad, you lived in such a good time. You got such good music. They're like, no, no, we didn't. Go back even <laughs> further, maybe. But, no. Um, number three was uh, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. I do, I do consider that a ditty. Uh, number two was some Rihanna song that's forgot, lost to time. I can't remember what it was. And number one, <laughs> number one was... It's just called the official BBC Children in Need Melody or Medley, which was like this year where Peter Kay assembled a bunch of cartoon characters like Bob the Builder <gasps> to sing shit. a charity oh, song. We watched, that in an, we watched that in an assembly in year six. <clears throat> yeah. 
Oh, well, God, we watched that one. What was the other one? It was one, it was like, uh, what was that guy from Take That? The one that did the one where in the music video he's, he like, he has got no skin Is or he called? <laughs> I don't know. The, don't know that one. The guy who sings that, um, <laughs> I don't want to rock, rock. Robbie Williams. Yeah, him, that one. It's, which is the other Robin, one Robbie. that's not him? <laughs> the, only two, the only two from Take That that anyone ever remembers. Gary Barlow. Gary Barlow. Yeah. One of those two did a, a film, a, did a, a music video for Children in Need where he's in like a spaceship or something. And we had to sit in an assembly and watch the whole music video when I was in primary. Like something like this BBC Kids Medley that thing. That sounds boring as a kid. Primary. Well, that's what I mean. Like this kid, you know, it's kids thing cartoon characters you know primary school makes sense why the fuck are we watching a gary barlow or robin williams music video <laughs> in, in an actual assembly like what the fuck i reckon the head teacher was like for like you know like that old lady thing where they're obsessed with gary barlow and everyone from Maybe. taylor it's probably Saying more that, of though, that <laughs> you know when you're in primary you used to have, you used to, have to sing um like hymns and things like at the beginning of each assembly one of ours was um, that, that Michael Jackson song, Earth Song. So the whole school knew that song. Yeah, how yeah, did you do one. the chorus as a bunch of children? Yeah, we were all going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's even worse? The day he died, we sang it in assembly because <laughs> he died that day. I'm dying. <laughs> the worst, even worse though, we had to sit there and listen. You know the opening word, all the kids are talking. We had to just sit and listen to it while during assembly. Bro, what I bet you sound like a mad cult from outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there Someone you go. Walking past. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, like, what the fuck's going on in that school? It's a bit dodgy. Oh, that's thing as well. Our, like, our primary was like the one that everyone wanted to get into as well. <laughs> if only they knew what, what kind of stuff they got us singing, yeah. <laughs> Man, I played like a rat detective in one of my school plays. It just keeps going. There's so much going on with this primary. Bro, Man. you need to write a little memoir of all this crazy shit. <laughs> my primary years. Oh, mm. God. That made me cry. That's you crazy. know how like schools, because they get like really obsessed with legacy. So they're like, you know, they, they show people who have done well that that that'd be there if you can somehow write some kind of statement for that if you like get like if you if you if you become really successful then you write some kind of statement so you you list off all your accolades and then right at the bottom it just it just says was also the rat detective in 2000 and so is so school <laughs> no it wasn't just rat i just remembered he was also french so I, remember, I remember one of the lines and one of the lines was that oh, the walls have ears and I had to like look at the walls and be like the walls have ears like that and then <laughs> yeah uh-huh. literally that's what it was there you go like a really bad French accent <laughs> yeah. the worst part was the way we used to do it like classes would swap so every kid would have a performance and all the parents and the person who played my part in the other, in the other class, actually came from France. So he had actually had a he, he could do a, like a realistic French accent. and He could speak French. So, you know, I I was very uh, 
I was very famous in school around that time. Though. I was got people coming up to me being like, the walls are here. And I was like, yeah, that was me. You know what I mean? That was me <laughs> on the playground. Celebrity on the playground. I was like, I like this, this life. I'm, I'm going to get used to this. Good and God. Your life at school sounds crazy. One minute you're a direct detective and then the next minute you're growing up to be screaming really obscure like Scooby-Doo memes or whatever it was across the halls to each other. Jesus Literally. Christ. Literally. That's <laughs> it, isn't it? That's, how, that's, pro- that's progress right there, you know. <laughs> so, still on pop culture then. Oops, still not mentioned this movie. Uh, wh- what about the world of video games? Prolific year, 2009, Arkham Asylum had come out. Uh, a nice. bunch of cool stuff had come out. What about December? There was one game in December 11th that is historically relevant. Oh, God. It's Angry Birds. Angry Birds came out. Oh, my God. Dude, that's Whoa. My God. Yeah, you could have been playing... Like- Day one, release day, Angry Birds on your way to see Princess of the Frog at the cinema. Imagine God, how like cool you would have been. People probably iPhone. did, you know. That must be like iPod generate. When did the, I- the iPhone come out? Was it 2011? So people were playing this on the, the iPod Touch. How long ago this was? Oof. Oof. That Angry feels Birds. like so long ago, but the 1980s feels closer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I think we just erase the 2000s out of our minds, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> what have you fucking have you seen? Ago, what's been going on? So. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> 2000 and, 2010 was a decade ago. Like, oh. Oof. Oh, I don't want to think about it. Take me, pop culture, movies. What could you have seen in the cinema? Well, so uh, I've picked out five things that are of interest. So on the fourth, a little bit before this, they were still making American Pie movies. Oh, God, I've man. still never seen one. Neither have I've I. I've seen all of them. Oh, boy. So th- well, this one, was, this one was American Pie Presents the Book of Love. What was that one like, Joe? Oh, Joan? no, no, I've not seen them ones. I've, not, I've seen the main ones. I've not seen the, the trash knockoff one. Like fucking band camp or whatever the fuck they were called. They had like one character from the original casting. You made like four of the ones with the main cast and then a bunch of shitty knockoff ones. So the I've anthology never seen them movies, ones. basically. Yeah, so I've, no, I've never uh, cursed myself with those. The Book of Love and American Pie story. Jesus. <laughs> right. That hurts my ears. Um, on the 16th, St. Trinian's 2, The Legend of Fritton's Gold came out. The one where they started to make it like a Goonies ripoff and David Tennant was in it. And that was basically the entire marketing ploy was you've just seen David Tennant regenerate and now you can come and see him in the cinema. <laughs> it's 2009. He regenerated into a movie star. Oh yeah. <laughs> Except he didn't. I've not seen him in a movie since. No, no. Well, he was, he was in Harry Potter. He was in St. Trinian's. And then he was like, sod this, man. I, I, I preferred being in British TV. <laughs> like, I mean, he's, been in, he's been in some pretty good <laughs> British TV, though. I'll give him that. I'll give him that one. He wasn't, he, you know what, though, actually saying that, he was, he was the villain in, um, that, in Jess, that, you know, like Jess, is it Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones, yeah, he was really good he was in, that. in that. I really liked him, though. He played, he was a really good villain in that, actually. So I'll give him that one. 
I totally there is there's some people that sort of can't stand David Tennant and I, I do get it in a way like his big bulging eyes that he's forcibly trying to pop out of his skull at any one moment can be pretty distracting but yeah I really like the guy he's really good in Good Omens he's really good in Jessica Jones he's really oh, yeah, good as Doctor Who um what else on the 23rd you could have seen Alvin and the Chipmunks the Squeakle Oh, good God. Classic. What a classic <laughs> film that That's is. That's the one where I think they introduced the chipettes. Um, oh, I've seen that as well. Jesus Christ, I've actually seen that film. Oof. oof. On the oh, 18th, man. Avatar came out. <laughs> okay. We're actually here, Avatar. 11, 11 years ago. Nobody wants Avatar 2, James! <laughs> 11 years ago! <laughs> or 3, or 4, or 5, or 6, or however many he wants to do. He'll be dead by you the know, time the bill comes out. <laughs> like, legit, right? I was looking for something to watch the other day in Disney+. Plus. Avatar popped up, and I was like, you know what? I've not seen this since it very first came out, which, as I've now just been reminded, was 11 years ago. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Let's give it a go. I got five minutes in before I got bored and turned it off. Put something else on instead. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, it just, oh, I, I just couldn't. I knew I was going to be sat there for two and a half hours. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to watch two and a half hours of this. Yeah. So I just turned it off. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Sorry, Don't dude. blame you. And as an extra special treat, on Christmas Day, you could have seen that Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. Oh, on oh, Christmas Day?! <laughs> It was the first one. one. Oh, are they? I swear, I swear it's been announced. Yeah, I, I double checked. Yeah, I think but... they are, yeah. yeah. The first one. <laughs> the first one's all right. I find, and I thought that the second one abused its weird slow mo fight gimmick way too much, and I got bored. Yeah, of it. the second one. The guy who plays Moriarty's good. That's only because yeah. he's in Mad Men, and I like him. He's yeah, cool. I agree with that. Uh, the story's a bit meh. Does Jude, Jude Law play? Yes, Jude Law's Watson. Watson. Yeah. yeah. He filmed a lot of that in Liverpool. Just saying. I've been to some other places. Fair, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's it. The other, the only other movie that was worth note, December 11th, was indeed Princess and the Frog. Amelia, yeah. take it away. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I'm going to try and stick to our new format of kind of chatting more about it. Facts, in, like debate... Um, and then kind of, yeah, just really skimming through the plot. Um, yeah, Princess of the Frog 2009, like you say. The 49th fully animated feature film from Disney. And is also the last film to use traditional 2D hand-drawn animation, which is really, like, important. Um, <clears throat> so directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, who um, you may know from Moana, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Treasure Planet as well. So, you know, they, they did some good Disney Renaissance films and obviously Moana, the new one, that's that's been pretty well received. Good movie. It's a good, I really, I really want to talk about more movies like Moana and stuff in the future because they are good. Um, and it was the um, most successful traditionally animated film for Disney since Lilo and Stitch came out in 2002. Fair. Which is impressive. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't what, look up, what was um, between those two, though? I was going to say, I didn't look it up. Well, I'm, it's just, I'm shame I didn't look that I up. I feel like we were in, like, Atlantis territory between it those two movies it must have been that um treasure planet treasure planet oh you told me about it was just after wasn't it because it was 
2002. I know I was speaking just 2D because if we're speaking 3D stuff, I know that didn't like that Bolt with John Travolta come out at some uh, point Pixar. in between those. I don't think Bolt is. <coughs> it is. It's Pixar. Is it? Yeah, it's Pixar. Here we go. Uh, Film releases. So what did I, I say? 2000, since 2002. Return to Neverland. Spirited Away. That doesn't really count. No. Tr- Treasure Planet. The Jungle Book 2. Piglet's Big Movie. <laughs> Finding Nemo. But again, that's Pixar, so that doesn't really count. Yeah. Brother Bear, Home on the Range. Brother Bear's pretty good. Uh, Chicken wow. Little. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Meet the Robinsons, which wasn't too Oh, bad. man. That was a good film. That you know, I mean, I've not seen it for like five, ten years, but I remember it being good. I remember, I remember the game good. was good. Something was good about that film. Maybe it was just, <laughs> I just like the time travel element of it. I was like, the plot Sam quick. is also correct about Bolt. It was Walt Disney Studios. That was December, November two thousand and eight. Yeah, I knew it wasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Sam said it. Sorry. We'll concede. And then yeah, say, Princess and the Frog. I don't think Pixar would make something like fucking Bolt would they? John Travolta playing a dog. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, this was also kind of a big point in Disney titles because they, they there's many reasons why this film didn't do amazing at the box office. It didn't, it didn't. It's a really weird one, this film. Um, but basically... The title is obviously The Princess and the Frog. It was originally going to be called The Frog Princess, but they didn't go with it. <clears throat> and apparently, the one of the reasons why they think statistically this didn't do great is because the word princess was in the title, and they thought boys would basically went, oh, princess, I don't want to see this film. So that's why Tangled got changed from Rapunzel to Tangled. <laughs> <clears throat> because the marketing department thought it, that was the main factor, um, so that's why like a lot of the films like don't tend to have princess in them anymore and that. So that's funny. Um, it aimed to uh, it gained a nomination for best animated film and two nominations for best song. I didn't find which songs, but it lost to Up on best animated film, which is that, that's justified. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I'll agree. I totally agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, Up's, a, Up's an incredible film. Um, I only I watched that to be fair a couple couple of weeks ago. One of the one of the things with Princess and the Frog was I think word spread very fast that like oh this movie the way it's being marketed it's like it's a bit of a lie. She spends most of the movie as a frog, and a lot of people weren't cool with that. Mm-hmm, you know, that, especially. Oh, yeah. Like if it, if if I think if you're gonna pick on a demographic and say they didn't like it, it's probably not boys. It's probably way more likely that it's people of color who have been promised a, some sense of representation <laughs> from a Disney movie, and suddenly thirty minutes in, they're making jokes about the princess being covered in mucus, and it's probably a bit like, oh, could you not have done that? This is the uh, yeah, like I say, I've touched on that a little bit later, like you say, because it's a weird one, like. Because I've read like a number of articles on this, and like like we said in the last one, if you if you really want to find really like informational videos on like these topics, there's amazing videos out there, and like 100%. we're not obviously here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about a film with nice music and really cool animation. But obviously, if we're going to touch on this. We can't not. Um, <clears throat> but the, like I said, I, I tried to look as much as I could at articles and different people's like opinions on the film, and there was this really good article where it was like it. <laughs> 
it said like you know it was great because as a young child she had she felt like she finally had a representation and someone to look up to but then as she grew up she did realise, oh, wait, well, half the film, she is a frog. Yeah. But then she also was toying with the idea of, but does that mean that because she spends most of the time as a frog, this relationship with the prince and all this nonsense, that came from, you know, who she was as a person, you know, there was none of this prejudice. and all. There's, there's so much, like, conversation on it, and it's really interesting to read. Um and I still don't know my view on it, whether I think it's good, whether I think they did it bad. I think they did parts good, but I think they could have done parts very differently. Like, for example, <clears throat> things like this, where it clearly was just, like, the animators or the production team at the time. Because like, I tried to look into, like, how many, like, um, people of colour were on the production side as, like, you know, making the big decisions for story and um, animation and all this. And I couldn't... I didn't have a lot of time, so I wasn't able to, like... They gave me names, but no pictures, which was really annoying. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, for example, she wasn't going to be called Tiana to begin with. She was going to be called Maddie. And they were like, Maddie, that's a cute name. Until someone was... Like, people pointed it out, like, you do realise Maddie sounds very much like Mammy. Which yeah, is obviously yeah. a race. And makes it even worse, they were going to go along the lines of her being, like a maid essentially in these big mansions and her progression out of that and they were like you can't do that like you like and this is where it comes into it doesn't it like educate yourself learn like don't don't just think oh i don't need to know about that it's fine educate yourself and just like that way you can make informed decisions especially in film if you fuck up in film it's on film forever (laughs) like (laughs) you can't fuck up (laughs) people i think people have a tendency to believe that there's such a thing as like a neutral like a neutral history and it's just simply not the case and i think that um when, when it comes to like making these decisions i can understand how they very very nearly just accidentally stumbled into it because from the 50s through to the 80s it was like um it was a trope and a stereotype that was like continually just push, 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 push. No one really challenged it from within the industry. And then people who grew up watching it entered the industry and just like not, maybe not out of a sense of malice, but just kept sort of replicating it. And I think that combined with Disney's weird faux kind of sense of like progressiveness. I think there's like, there's been two big stories with regarding Disney recently regarding representation. So one was the actor who played... I don't know the character's name, but uh, is it Kenny Ortega who was in High School Musical talking about why his character was not openly gay in High School Musical? I don't Which think... Which character's he? I'm not sure. I haven't, I've not seen High School Musical. But I, well, I do it. feel still feel pretty confident in saying this. <clears throat> I know the reason why the character isn't openly gay in High School Musical. It's because it's a Disney Channel movie and Disney aren't about to start doing things like that. Similarly on the other side of like this kind of faux progressive, like we'll, we'll do it, but kind of in a weird way. Anthony Mackie had a really good thing to say recently about productions like Black Panther in saying that while it's really, really cool that these movies are giving uh, uh, lots of black uh, uh, actors, crew members, freelancers work within the industry, it is also kind of a slap in the face that you throw us all into this movie and then don't rehire us for the important movies. It, it, it sends this yeah, message I that totally this is that. the black movie and that's <clears throat> like, that, that, you, can, you can work on that. This is a movie, look, we but, gave you this, why exactly. you work on that? But yeah. you can't, you, we're not going to rehire you for Avengers, but you've got Black Panther 2, just wait it out. 
which yeah it's not a great way to do a it problem in hollywood at the minute like you can tell and like yeah. i don't i don't know if you guys have seen as well this is kind of off topic but not um pixar released a short i can't remember what it was called but it recently popped up on my um on the homepage for Disney Plus when I went to pull up um, Princess and the Frog a while ago. And it, it's this, it's done by Pixar. So again, that's not even like mainstream Disney, it's Pixar that made this decision. But it's essentially a short about a guy who's moving into a new house and he's moving in with his boyfriend and his mom and dad are coming over, but he, he doesn't want to tell his parents that he's gay and has a boyfriend and the partner's like, you've got to tell them. And it's this kind of lovely emotional story about how he's like, he's scared his parents aren't going to accept him. But the mom and dad like they're like we don't care like it's it's a really yeah. lovely little like seven minute thing if you if you can watch it watch it and I was like this is this is like great like that was actually really like nice to watch it was a lovely emotional story and then I was like like that's like have like I I was surprised that they put it up there because like you say like Disney haven't really kind of pushed for that like obviously there was the whole like Elsa's gay but she's not yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> She's gay, but she can't have a girlfriend and can't talk about it ever. But she's definitely gay. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I don't know whether or not new people are going to start coming on board at Disney or whether or not Disney are hopefully just going to be like, fuck it, let's not go with all this corporate bullshit. They probably won't, but... It, it, it's going to be it's an interesting time for change I, th- that I, I, I think it's I think that there's too many people within the industry that are still higher ups actual execs that are worried about how decisions like that will impact overall sales I think I, I don't think they quite understand the scale of how many more people are on the other side of the issue now uh, you know for example the massive like genuinely massive movement to cast Donald Glover as Spider-Man when he expressed interest in doing that and lots of people were like fuck yeah get make that man's spider-man and they didn't but they did give him a side role in spider-man and then to kind of compensate they made him the leading lion king but like it is not it's not his face though you know we're not going to put his face on the it's the lion he's simba you know it's, it's also <laughs> like that well we'll give you the african-american movie but we won't give you that why would we give you that that's important like that's how people see it up high up and it's awful. yeah 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 so yeah, a couple of facts before we go in that I just thought were a little bit interesting. So this is the first, like I say, Disney animation, but to have the actors and actresses both singing and voicing the characters. So this is the first time since Beauty and the Beast, which was 1991, Whoa. Like, that they got people who could do both. <laughs> like, is that really um, that hard to do, though? Well, like, this is the thing. Surely just, if you like, just look for actresses and actors <laughs> who can do both. Why is it so difficult? To I'm frequently shocked by like, how often um, it happens. Like, like um, I remember being like really weirded out finding out in Nightmare Before Christmas. It's Danny Elfman that's singing Jack's cat part, mm-hmm. not the voice actor. Crazy, isn't it? It's really weird. It makes no sense. I get right. I get it. If you want a certain famous person doing a voice, like you see one certain celebrity doing a certain voice, and they can't sing. You know, maybe they've not got a great singing voice. Or the other way around, you want a famous singer singer doing, you know, doing a bit, but they haven't got the right normal voice to fit the character. I get that, but something where you just hide, you don't want either of those. You just want someone who fits the character perfectly. They just get someone who can do both. I can't yeah. imagine it's going to be you, especially Disney. Disney, that like, all oh, right? We're looking for someone who can do voice acting and sing. You're not going to get like two applications, are you? You're going to get <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. thousands of applications. You're going to get people who think they can do both. People who think they can do one, but can actually do both. You can do, you know what I mean? It's, 
Well, it's not like I mean, unless it's hard to do it, I don't know. Maybe it's there's a, limits on it's it. It's an but. interesting culture with Disney right now because they, with all their movies, are placing all their chips on bankable stars. You know, all the Marvel movies are evident of that. They take a couple of risks here and there. Like, for example, when they cast for Force Awakens, they purposely cast the three leads as being not complete unknowns. Obviously, Oscar Isaac already had a lot of big career and stuff, but relative unknowns. John Boyega was pretty... He, he'd done Attack the Block before then and... Not a lot else, as no, far as like cinema. Probably wasn't popular. You know, so like they, they take those risks. They do take those risks with like start with starting or restarting franchises. But then once the names are, are banked and they're cashed, that's it. They rely on those names again and again and again, and they're always within the talent pool. Which is strange because I think they've had a lot of success taking gambles on uh, up and coming directors for big movies, and I don't know if that's because because the like fresher in the industry disney can kind of i don't know maybe bully them a little bit and it's not like they'll know better but if you look at the upcoming i know that's a very cynical way but there's always a chance but if you look at the upcoming marvel movies uh that are in production if you look at their attached directors one is sam raimi the rest all have just made like indie festival short little things that got very limited releases that were like passion projects and it's really rad, and I think it's gambling on that fresh talent, even if there's a cynical reason behind it, that are producing quite fun Marvel movies now and not just the shit we dealt with like a decade yeah. ago. And I'd like to see more done with actors. So if they, yeah, I'd, I'd love them to put out a, you know, a pitch for a new musical and just say, open auditions. Fucking who wants, to, who, cut, who wants to come in? Meritocracy yeah. style, it'd be great. It gives more people a chance, doesn't it, then, as well? Like, speaking of cast, like, for this movie, I have wrote them down. The only one that I'd ever heard of was Oprah. Uh, no, well, two, actually. Oprah plays the mum. Yes. And then, obviously, yeah. John Goodman plays Big Daddy, or whatever his name is. Do you is. not know Keith David? Well, I recognise the name, but then I looked at his thing. I haven't seen They Live or um, The Thing yet. And those were, the ne- like, the two big ones on the front. But unless unless maybe I've heard his voice in something, I, I couldn't you, think. You almost certainly have. He's he's. Oh really? Yeah, he's done like tons and tons and tons of voice work for lots of documentaries, comedies, a bunch of stuff. He was in um, he was in Saints Row as himself. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, there we go. So I've got some googling to do later. Um, so there's a scene at the beginning where. Um, it's like right at the beginning in the song down in New Orleans and it's like a panning shot where you see the street and everyone walking around. Two cameos are there. You've got a lady whacking out a, oh, whacking out a, what you call it, carpet and it is the magic carpet. And a little bit further down, I'm pretty sure Belle walks past as well. Really? Just ironic considering the connection to the first fact. Um, so Evangeline, the star that he, Ray, little Ray, is obsessed with, uh, is actually, in astronomical terms, it's actually the planet Venus, which is ironic again because oh, Venus yeah. is the goddess of love. Cute little fun fact. Um, Keith David, so who voiced Dr. Facilier, they basically really wanted to base the character on him. So, for example, it's got the same little like, yeah. gap in his teeth, and apparently when they were doing the animation... They very much looked at his mannerisms, his movement, and how he like acts to like animate the character. Which I love when they do that because it makes it more real, and it kind of it must be nice for the the actor as well to be like, yeah. <laughs> "That's me." Um, 
So yeah, there's a lot of reference in this film as well to the author playwright um, Tennessee Williams, who wrote a Streetcar Named Desire and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. How was it? Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a bit in this where he yells um, thingy? Stella! What's he yell? Stella! <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah, so the I dog actually Stella. I that. I'll get that. <laughs> and there's there's another reference. I can't, I didn't write it down because I was like I say. Um, yeah, Tesla. So Stella, and apparently Big Daddy is the name of one of the like the big financial power threat in hot, hot the cat on a hot tin roof. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. Because um, obviously he was a big playwright, like down in that then those ends. Obvious fact: Louis the Alligator or Lewis is obviously a, a direct homage to Armstrong. Yeah. Um, fun fact. So Ray, the little firefly guy, do you, can, do you, can you guess who he's voiced by at all? I feel like a lot. Okay. But I can't remember. I can't give you a guess, but I, I remember it sounding familiar. So I'm going to kick myself when you say it. Yep. Yeah. So voiced by a guy called Jim Cummings. Great last name. Um, who yes. did obviously Winnie the Pooh and all of these. So the reason oh, why he... Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Do, you, do you know who I'm on about? Yeah. So the yeah. reason why he I knew was I'd brought... Lot. Yeah. He's, he's been in everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as soon as I looked, I could tell. I could, like, hear it a bit in the way he spoke. But the reason why he was picked, basically, is because he lived in New Orleans for a while. Um, and the accent that they wanted for the character of Ray is a Cajun accent. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. It's Cajun. And because he'd lived down there and he'd lived around these people, he knew how to do the accent. And obviously, being a voice actor, he's probably practiced and, like, loved to, like, take inspiration yeah. from people. So he was brought on board for that. Um, A113 can be seen in this film, the good old uh, room at California Arts that all these animators went to. It's on the streetcar as she's on her way to work in the morning. It's on that. Um, And also, Randy Newman did the music to this. Isn't he the guy that did the music for Toy Story? Or I think he was someone else. Yes. I think it is, yeah. Yes. Because they were originally going to get um, Alan Menken on board, the guy who did, like, Little Mermaid, like big Disney Renaissance movies, but that the Disney basically didn't want to, everyone to think that they were a one-trick pony and didn't like have anything else at the street. So they went for Randy Newman, the other one-trick pony that they have. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that, I that reckon that this is some of Randy Newman's best work, to be honest I, with you. The music's fab in there. It's yeah. really big and bombastic and full of life and energy. And like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever have associated that with friend and me guy you know what i mean 100% so let's break down the story what we liked what we didn't like um and yeah we'll talk about the songs as we kind of go through so it's in 1926 new orleans and apparently this film actually did gain a lot of praise um for the historical accuracy of the film so for example the clothing is pretty accurate apart from like subtle things like 1920s like clothing on women they wanted to look as like tree trunk as they could. It had to be a straight silhouette, no curves, no nothing. But of course, it's the modern day. She gave her a waist on all of her clothes. But apart from that, the style and everything is pretty much spot on. Apparently, um, obviously, the dress right at the end is not spot on. <laughs> like that's not historically <laughs> accurate. Um, yeah. So obviously, Tiana is this like hardworking girl, and we kind of get introduced to her and how um, she really wants to like open up this restaurant. Um, yeah, that's right. I'm really, it's my, my notes are so brief. I'm like trying to remember the film. I watched it this morning again. Um, and like, yeah, so we kind of, there's very much a stereotype at the beginning of, you know, um, 
like Tiana's sat there in a normal dress with a homemade tiara, but Charlotte is a plump little girl with the fattest dress and a cat and this ridiculous room with loads of toys and Merida is a stuffed toy on the apparently on the shelf behind her. Oh. Like it, it's excessive. It's this excessive wealth and this yeah. like, I wanna buy everything. And that's again backed up later when she's like, I want that dress, Dad, and it's like, I won't take no for an answer, you make me this dress and then there's, there's the, the great scene where they're kind of like walking off into the darkness and out of the house and he's like right you're not getting anything else but who wants a puppy like <laughs> she just had a kitten and she's getting a puppy like are you for real and it kind of is that excessive wealth and and it, he's basically um it does mention it in the, the song down in new orleans but he basically made his wealth from the um like sugar plantations so like more than likely yeah all like all these people that he employs were probably slaves at one point. Yeah, they probably still are. Like because I mean, it's the twenties. The probably like who knows when at all, like proper slavery was like it's, fully abolished. It's these kind of like weird, almost getting there that like stand out because y you don't you know movies don't exist in this weird bubble where like. You, you pick like a plot and a setting and a character out of a hat and then you just make that movie. All of these decisions are made. It, they decided to adapt The Frog Prince and adapt it into a story set in... Um, it's the 50s, right? For 26, 1926. No, it's 20s. 20, yeah. Yeah. Set, in, set in the 20s. And you decided that presumably after you came up with the, with the concept of, of making it about a person of color. So you kind of like that history is there and it's referenced, but you, it's a Disney movie for children. And um, a lot of people, including this country that, that have a big hand in colonialism uh, and in America are pretty uncomfortable with actually talking about that history, especially in front of children. And it creates this weird vibe of like, well, yeah, we've got the rich guy who definitely owned people and now he doesn't own, own them, but he still owns them because they work for him. But he's the nice, he's a nice, friendly one who, who's only doing it because he wants their dreams to come true. And it's, and it's an interesting thing as well, to me, that's separate from the race thing. The decision to make Charlotte a really kind of like spoiled, you know, kind of like Veruca Salt's that type character, but then yeah. not commit to it later. Like she, she, sure, she has a bit of a strop when things don't go away when the prince is late, but she's a pretty consistently understanding character with Tiana. She gives her a bunch of money to give her a bunch of cakes, but it's also because she knows she needs a bunch of money to help open a restaurant and does the kiss at the end because it's the right thing to do, not because she wants to kiss a prince you know it's an interest it's an interesting idea to give her the the spoiled brat star and then veer right the fuck away from it with kind of no explanation it almost feels like two different writers there but i don't know it's, it's an interesting 100 percent um yeah. yeah so um I put, she has a rich white friend who has more money than sense um, <laughs> <laughs> um and so, yeah, so then we get, like, this whole dance number for Dota down in New Orleans where it shows her, like, working really hard. And they come, obviously, to Duke's, the cafe, and, like I say, like, we're going to have this ball and everything. And um, 
we're introduced to all that and how Prince Naveen is this like spoiled brat as well who's come from this made up country um, and is broke as hell and needs to marry a good old you know rich plantation owner's daughter to get the money um, which again is another interesting thing to choose um, and again I'm not sure if it works I'm not sure if I like it or not I'm very confused um, they didn't really convey it in a straightforward way I thought like the, the first I'd say 40 minutes of the movie I didn't actually know what Dr. Facilier's plan was I didn't know what his end game was like I got that he was a bad yeah. dude and he like scammed that guy out of money but like I was like well if it's a money angle it's not immediately clear why you need to be fucking about with princes, princes and frogs you know like <laughs> yeah yeah it, it kind of you kind of learn later on don't you when he's like he's like he can't get like they've, they've obviously run off and he needs to get Prince Naveen back and he makes a deal with the shadow like land people yeah. that he's like well this is my plan right so I'm gonna I'm gonna get all the money I'm gonna take over New Orleans and then you can have all the souls and it's only at that point that you're like oh so that's what he's doing it for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is interesting normally these villains they tell their plan like right at the beginning in a song and his song is very yeah. much a different one but we'll get on to that um yeah, so um, she asks her to make all these beignets, which gives her enough money um, to go and basically put a down payment on this old mill. Then we get the song Almost There, which is... I love... I don't know if it's because I love this style of music and obviously their musicals put together, but Almost There's a really love... It's a really nice song. I really like it. I love the art style for it. It's great. Um, and basically, apparently, Eric Goldman, the guy who animated or had, like managed the whole animation for this scene, um, he basically took inspiration from a um, artist at the time called Aaron Douglas, who was an artist of color, who made um, like this style of artwork during the Harlem Renaissance. So he's basically pulled that inspiration straight from there. Um, and he, he also apparently edited, uh, animated. Um, have you guys seen like Fantasia and all, all them? Yeah. I haven't seen them for a while. Yeah. But there's one which is, oh God, I can't remember the name of it. But it's the one where it's people like running around the city and it's all very much in that 2D style. Um, he basically worked on that as well, which kind of takes that same inspiration. Um, so yeah, we get almost there how she wants to like, Did you, you know. She, sorry, sorry, Amelia. Um, <laughs> I just, um, with that segment, with that animated segment, what it reminded me of a lot, and it might just be because of my limited scope, which is why I want to ask you. Um, it feels like, and I'm in favor of this. It's an art style I think is great. I feel like a lot of alt movie poster guys adapt that style and use that style. And 100%. I, yeah. Is it something you, you run into a lot? Yeah. So the night, that, that kind of style of artwork is because people look at it and it's, it's got very much this nostalgic, like people always say like, Oh, the golden age of cinema posters are like this. And they, they kind of didn't like yeah. decades. <laughs> um, it's very much this, like, like for example, I remember, right, Clinton's had a card range in this style of 1920s, like, flappers to the side, very cut angles. It's got a name, it's called something. It's I'm an artist, it isn't is. it? Yeah. It's, they use it, weirdly, people get it mixed up with the one that they use for the 50s, because it's very similar to this type of thing that, like, Bioshock uses. Yeah. The one that Bioshock uses is, like, an updated version of it. Oh, what's it called? Because they use it for um, Atlas Shrugged as well. That's like the big it's, thing. It's almost like it how, you know, how our generation's obsessed with the 80s. People are going to be so confused when they look back at like us all taking inspiration from the 80s and all these films, music and like um, fashion that's like literally taken straight from the 80s and 90s. And they're like, wait, so we, 
who did it first? Like, people are going to be really confused. Um, Art Deco, that's it. It's called Art Deco. Yeah. That type of stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 100%. It, it's a style that's used quite a lot. Um, and it's quite nice. I like the idea of it being, like, this horrible, shabby place that she's going to proper take influence from this picture that her dad gave her, so it's got, like, sentimental value to it. And I love the idea as well of... Um, like when the mum comes over, she's got the gumbo pot. Um, and that, oh gosh, I didn't talk about it really quickly. I'm just going to go back very, very quickly. There's a scene I really like right at the beginning where they're going home. And it's the transition shot from all the big houses that are gated off and like no one wants to talk to each other. And then we fade into the community yeah. of where her family's from. And it's in, it's instead these people who are happy, like joyous. They all, like with like for example the rich people they're all really fat and plump but when she makes this amazing gumbo the dad's like right well this has got to be shared this is more of this community sense which was really lovely to see and I remember being as a kid like thinking oh that's really that's that's like I want to learn how to cook that I mean I, I probably would absolutely butcher it because I can't bloody cook to begin with but I think, I think that's a really nice scene and I've read a lot of articles saying that you know that was a really nice representation and like that was very kind of much like how they felt with their families, which is quite nice. People who have less typically try to end up making more uh, of, of, yeah. of their circumstances and stuff. So yeah, I, I thought it was a good thing to include. Mm, and that's across it. everyone, not necessarily just the black culture, but probably every culture has it. Like, But mainly obviously with the black culture, it probably means more. Um, so yeah, so um, then obviously we get Naveen and Lawrence um, making the deal with the shadow man. Dr. Facilier, is, uh, he's the only one that refers to himself as Dr. Facilier. Everyone else calls him the shadow that, yeah. guy and that, which is interesting. I didn't really find a reason for that. I think it's just because they don't trust him. And then we get his song, Friends on the Other Side. I I, re- I sing this song quite a lot when I, when I hear it because it's, <laughs> it's so incredible. Fun. It's good. The animation. Right, okay. Personal story here. <laughs> when I was very young, we took a trip to London and we were looking around like it was probably like, probably something like the Camden Markets back then. I can't really remember. I was tiny. And me being me, I saw these string dolls and I was like, that's funky. It's dressed up like a Disney character. I want it. And one of my aunts at the time was a little bit superstitious about it all. And I came back like, look what they've bought. Oh my gosh, no, no, you can't have that. Oh my gosh, that's, that's bad energy. So we can't be doing that. So I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to let the demons into my like life and all this. So ever since, I've kind of been very superstitious of it all. So then 10-year-old me goes to see this film and this, I, was, I was scarred because of how well, like, how well done the animation is in this with the voodoo heads talking and all the big demons. Like, and watching it back now, I love it because I've kind of, you grow up and you, like, you educate yourself about these things. And if anything, I'm more intrigued by the supernatural than I was back as a kid. So this scene, like, it, I remember it all the time because I laugh at how scarred I was as a child. <laughs> but yeah, it's so good. You've got like the Cab Calloway like, influence in dancing from that era as well. Um, I mean, all the music is so influenced by jazz in this era. It's, it's so well done. Like, like you said, you wouldn't think it came from the guy who did the Toy Story soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Very odd. Um, and yeah, they basically... you misinterpret I was thinking about it. they completely misinterpret the cards that are given to them um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea of oh well it's the green I see in your future but I don't mean I didn't say money I said the green and then Lawrence being like the ganja 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and I can't fully remember what Lawrence's was, but it's like you're going to get what you want, but that's not necessarily going to be what you need, as they say throughout the thing. Um, yeah, and so he gets transformed into a... Well, it's a, it's a frog, but obviously we aren't told a frog that it's going to be a frog. It's Princess Eve frog. Um, so he becomes a frog, and then Naveen takes the appearance of... Um, Lawrence takes the appearance of Naveen. Yeah, so what did you guys think about Dr. Vassilier and that song? And That's great. It's good. so good. It's so yeah. fun. I thought it was a really good villain, yeah. He's, he's one it's, of the best, I think. Yeah, he's just cool, I think. I just like He's just cool. He's yeah. Cool. He is really cool. He sounds cool. His look is cool. His motivations are vague, which is a bit annoying, but like it kind of doesn't matter. He's got a big stick and he talks to lots of talking masks. <laughs> it's fucking great. In in a wider sense, I one of the things that I didn't realize how much I missed, and it's not like I've not watched older Disney movies. Uh, bef- you know, uh, where's my brain going? I have seen older <laughs> Disney movies. in in a space of time it's it's not it's not like a weird nostalgia thing um but i just with this being the last 2d one i missed how fucking good they are animating musical numbers so good so creative and it's not like the 3d ones don't attempt to be creative but they're really really still finding their feet i think but the, the the way they fucking just mess with shapes and movement and soundscapes and colors like it's it's that song. It's, this is the first time I've seen this movie and I've seen it once and I've heard it once and it's burned into my brain now because of the amazing like greens and purples and how intense it all is. And it's, that's, it's the same for all the songs in this movie. And it just makes me want fucking Disney 2D movies to come back because well, and the thing. it will, they will. And it'll be a big marketing gimmick. They'll be like, Disney's back and whatever, even though they took it away. <laughs> but I'm still excited for it because if it's going to look like this, it's going to be great. Mm. Yeah. no 100% because when you think about it let's take Frozen for example they want the 3D animated films to look so close to real yeah. that they don't take like you say the creative liberties that they do so like for example the Dr. Facilier song like you say there's all these crazy visuals and motifs whereas if it was done in the 3D animation style I don't think they'd have done that look at Elsa singing on top of a like a an icy cliff that's what yeah. she's doing she's walking about and then she builds an ice castle, which is cool to watch. But that's about it. If it's, they'd have it, done this like in, in 2D... I, th- I think with that franchise, like in the first one, they kind of did it with Olaf. But again, it was kind of boring. It's just putting him in a different setting. And in the sequel, they sort of played with it with Elsa. I'd, I'd say Show Yourself is probably the closest to classic Disney, but it still just feels... It's just a black empty? background. Yeah. Like, yeah, a bit of... Yeah. So I think Disney will realise, hopefully, this soon. And like you say, maybe they'll do it, won't they? Like, the Disney Renaissance is back. Um, But yeah, so we shall see. I've written down as well. So um, Princess Tiana also was, or Tiana, was based off a real woman. So she was called Leah Chase. And she was basically a cook from New Orleans who basically had a dream, worked up the ranks, as basic, and that's where they got the inspiration for her character, and she's still working in New Orleans today, which is pretty incredible. At least I'm pretty sure she is, unless she's died and I haven't done my, like, thing. But the, the video clip I watched looks pretty new, so hopefully she is. Like, if she lived in the 20s, I can't imagine she's uh, still kicking around, you know? I was going to say. Like, her grandkids, maybe, but... <laughs> um... But yes, so Tiana is told at the party... So she goes to the party... Um, 
and Tiana's making all these beignets, and then the, um, what they called, the, what are they called? Estate agents come over and they're like, yeah, so about the contract, you've kind of like been outbid. And then she's like, wait, what, why, who? Oh, well, you know, with someone of your like gender and background, like you can't do that. Look at your hands, you're tiny. And like, that's kind of a big moment of like, like that's how it was back in the day. Like you weren't like, and, and today, let's be honest. Yeah, today, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you ain't getting nowhere. Like, don't even dream is essentially what they're telling her, which is ho- And that's how horrible people were. And, like, it's... So I read an article that said, oh, you know, it isn't really hinted at that it's for her race. They say it. They yeah, literally yeah, yeah. say it Yeah, to they do her. say it. <laughs> and, like, I don't... I genuinely don't think there was another bidder. I reckon they just didn't want to give it to her. Well, it never comes up again, does it? Really? It's yeah. Just, it's more of, like, a... A thing like oh, there's now a time limit that she has. Like, like if, if you want to be, if you want to be like really real about it, there is like actual active conspiracy theories that one of the things that led to the global financial crash of 08 was banks lending to subprime borrowers, and when they say that, they specifically mean people of color, which is really atrocious. But it's what a lot of people like actually believe caused the financial, cr- the global financial crash of 08. Well, they think that people of color loaning, getting loans caused. Yes, because they oh don't gosh. think that they're equipped to pay those loans back. That's their belief. And so as a result, the economy crashed. So yeah, like when you say, when you say, when you bring up the idea that there may literally have not been another bidder, I, I buy it. I buy it. There may not have been another bit of it. I didn't, I'd never heard that. That's actually, that's <laughs> isn't that insane? Horrible, yeah. Um, but, right. Charlotte says some of my favorite lines in this, in this scene. Um, where she, so the first one, obviously, um, she's like, Oh, he's not turned up. He's not turned up and all this. And she's like, I'm sweating like a sinner in church. She's just so OTT and like ridiculous. But then she obviously kind of has this like, well, he's never going to come. And she's running up the stairs and she's like, I never get anything I wish for. And it's like, can you imagine being like Tiana at this point? It's like, yeah, right. I've just been denied my dream, which I've worked hard for when you're moaning that a, a, a fucking prince isn't going to kiss you tonight. Are you for real? And like, I think that's a really like important line to be fair. Do you know what I love as well? I love the little thing because it's not even drawn that much attention to, but when the estate agents do deny it, it's not like a, a little private meeting. They rock up dressed as two parts of a pantomime donkey <laughs> to <laughs> deliver that information. They literally so show up as an ass. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy who is the ass part is an ass. He's like, they don't want you. And he's just stuffing his face with food. He's a dick. <laughs> like, um, but yes, then we get this whole scene with um, Naveen being like a very like sexist prick. <laughs> Gibson would be nice. Yes. And, it- <laughs> like, and it's this whole like, and don't get me wrong. Some of his lines are hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, there's this whole chase scene and they get chased off to the bayou um, because she's obviously turned into a frog and that all kicks off. Okay, there's a lot of parts in this which you can skip over just because it is there for comedic value and just to push it on. Um, then they obviously bump into... I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Lewis, not... It's because my brother spells it L-O-U-I-S and it's Louis, whereas this is... Lu- I'm pretty sure it's Lewis. I mean, if it's based on Armstrong, then it's probably Lewis, Louis. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure they say Lewis though throughout this. <laughs> this is the thing. I watched it this morning and I can't remember. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm same. Sure they say, I'm sure they call him Lewis. Oh, no, I can't remember. I don't know. But I suppose, yeah, if it's based off Louis, Louis Armstrong... We'll say Louis just because... It would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, his dream is to play in a big jazz band um, like his... Like the big greats. Um, and the, the I forgot how comedic this little scene was where he's like... Where they're like, oh, why don't you go and do it? You know, don't be scared. And he's like, I tried it once. And then he's like, <laughs> it's him. he jumps on the boat and starts going, doo, 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 doo. and he jumps off and it's just doo, 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 with all the bullets. <laughs> oh my God, I was in tears. <laughs> like little things like that make me howl. Um, Yo, real talk. How would you actually react though? Put yourself in the headspace. How would you actually react if a croc rocked up on your boat and started playing jazz? Like not just, it, not just like incidentally, effect. Like, well, like he's doing it good, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of those things in it where, like, it's like, what would you do? Like, because let's be honest, if we've had a pet, we've all tried to be like, right, if you talk to me, I won't, I won't tell anyone. Like, let's be honest, like, come on. It's like, what would you do if your dog actually spoke back to you? I don't yeah, think yeah. any of us would be able to comprehend it. <laughs> like, I, think um, off it. I think something was wrong with me if my dog was talking back to me, like, right. <laughs> There's something I'd I need to seek change help. in my life. I need to figure out what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's all very funny. And then we get the song When I'm Human again. It, it's a pretty good bop, not too bad. Um, and it's this whole idea that, like, they just want to be ha- like human and normal like everyone else, but actually they're pretty cool the way they are. Um, then we meet Ray... Um, and we get this whole thing about Evangeline and we get another one of my favourites which is Going Down the Bayou I just it's only a short song I didn't realise but the Going Down the Bayou that bit I love it it's like I just I don't know there's a lot of nice little because I think another thing that's true about modern Disney movies now is that every yeah no I'm willing to commit to this basically every music number is either bringing up a theme or carrying a story mm-hmm. all the time, like push, put, like pushing the plot and the narrative along. And it feels like they're the things that kind of get locked in pretty early. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of old Disney musical numbers, not just lyrical ones, but just incidental dis- uh, musical numbers, would just kind of move to push the movie along in a nice little way. A little mm-hmm. bit of traveling, a little bit of time. You know, I think back to like Raindrops from Bambi. You know, that's not really yeah. a musical number per se, but it's a really cool creative part of the, of the um, movie that pushes the plot, like pushes the timeline along. 100%. And I miss that. Like you said, yeah. they need, I think Disney have fallen into this trap of, right, we need to make every musical number good enough to be on the Billboard Top 10. Yeah, they always get fucking pop stars to do covers of them and stuff. This is the thing. So like you say, there's none of these kind of short ones that instead of showing you through a montage, we're going to give you a little ditty that's nice to listen to. Whereas they want everything to be bloody, like, let it go. It's got to be the biggest musical number since, like, sliced bread became a thing. Like... So that's a whole thing. Um, fun fact. So when he's like, right then, Cousin Ray, let's do this to start up the band. Cousin cousin Ray is... Ray, Ray. They're both called Ray. Can't be. No, they're not both called Ray, are they? I, I wrote down Ray. Okay, well, maybe it is. Um, <laughs> it's actually Randy Newman. Oh, nice. So he, so Randy Newman gets these two lines of dialogue being like, cool thing, Ray, one, two, three. And that's, it. <laughs> that's quite sweet for him. 
Um, so they, yes, yeah, so they go and travel to see Mama Odie, who is this kind of opposite witch doctor to Dr. Vasile. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've watched a couple of videos about, you know, um, like voodoo and that kind of religious practice in like New Orleans and um, from African culture. I, again, I don't know everything, but it's really fascinating. And like, this is another one of the criticisms that was brought up with this film is that voodoo was painted in this very dark, everything's like satanic almost kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah. I don't get me wrong, there probably was a lot like, like I say, I've not watched many videos, but there probably was this kind of sacrificing side to it. But they said that, you know, you didn't show any of our good deities and our good like spirits that are there to protect you. You didn't show any of that or have them as a fighting course to fight the bad. Like they basically said that was kind of one of the big things. So mama old OD, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. it's this idea. Like I said earlier, there is no such thing as neutral history that the, the parts of voodoo as an actual real, real idea that we cling onto through pop culture is all about, it's all portrayed in an evil way. And one of that, one of the reasons of that is because when, white people found out about it it was this oh it's the other it's i don't understand it and it's i things that i don't get are scary to me so and then you hear about the one or two things that are like oh that sounds bad so that's definitely what the whole thing is about well look at me being like through my family member being confused by it and thinking that if you and don't get me wrong there probably is parts of you where it's like oh no you don't want that in your life because that will bring bad energies and that will bring da 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 but you'll hear that and be like, ah, that is bad. Don't bring it in. So instantly I've gone, ah, that's got bad energy. I don't want that in my house. But it may not. Like, you, unless you know the ins and outs. Yeah. Like, don't assume it. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so then, like we said earlier, Dr. Facilier is basically like, ha, I fucked up. Um, can, you know, you give me some more demons so that like, he can help? That happens. Then they escape and attack by demons and then fall into another attack i think this bit is very much just comic relief because i think halfway through they were like shit we've done a family film where kids are watching we've been very dark and very like <laughs> like like we brought up some big themes here i know what we'll do throw in three really fucking stupid like frog hunters and have that all be really comedic and apparently one of them's called lenny and one of them's called george which is a homage wow. two of my I, I didn't know the other one's called george though but like i actually turned to beth i watched it and be like Look, Jenny, Jenny, uh, uh, George and Lenny. You know what I mean, one to go shoot the other one soon. There you go. It is. <laughs> I didn't realize that, he actually called him. Like this segment genuinely felt like something from like like a like a sixties era Disney movie. Like a like a real. You know what I mean? It really felt pulled straight from like the foxes and stuff from Pinocchio. Like it felt like it's yeah. completely interchangeable in terms of comedy and usage. It was very, yeah. Well, not, maybe not usage because the fox is a bit more of an antagonist, but you know what I mean? Like, no, the, this bumbling, the idiot. slapstick. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that, I, I definitely think that was a, we need to kind of give the kids a bit of comic relief here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fine. At the end of the day, if it's a family slash kids movie, you want, I, even I want a bit of that every now and again. Did you feel like, cause what I thought was that, the, one of my complaints about this movie is I think it does have a bit of a pacing issue. Yeah. And while I'm not against the weird, fun little slapstick thing to keep the kids entertained, especially if it is just funny, uh, I'm not against that as an idea, but it kind of came like an hour and something into the movie. And I was like, I could have maybe done with this earlier. Or maybe some of the stuff from the start could have been trimmed. Like, 
it's, uh, do we need this now? So, I mean, I know that's me as an adult movie critic. I'm not going to be thinking about that when I'm Tommy two year old, but like, <sighs> you know, <laughs> I still think it's a weirdly paced film. No, I t- 100% agree. Um, so yes, yeah, so they talk to Mama Odie and there's kind of, they kind of, um, there's this big musical number, Dig a Little Deeper, where Mama Odie's more about, I'm not going to use my magic to sort your problems like that because you're not going to get what you want. You've got to look inside yourself and see what you want and then you'll, you'll basically solve the problem for yourself. Which is kind of like, <laughs> I feel bad for Lewis because he's like, I just want, I just, literally just want to be human, that's it. And she's like, <laughs> dig a little deeper. It's like, I'm not going to suddenly sprout a penis and legs. Like, come on here, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that's where the transformation starts. Just on the alligator, on the crocodile belly, a little dick pops out. <laughs> yeah, but I remember when he, when he said, um, he's like, oh, come on, I want legs and little toes. And uh, also... I want a belly button that goes, but I'm one of those addies, one of the innies. I genuinely thought he was going to talk about penis sizes and like a really like very like subtle joke. And he said belly button and I was like, oh shit, where was that going? <laughs> um, so yeah, dig a little deeper. Again, like you were saying, another musical number that's crazy with loads of lights and um, all that kind of thing. I like that song. It's quite nice. Um, and yeah, so then Tiana completely takes the advice, you know, of... Not necessarily work harder, but she's basically trying to say, look, your dad worked hard, but he was a family man. He put, like, he invested in other things than just work, and that's all you're doing. And she's like, I know what I'm going to do. Work harder. And he's, everyone's like, <laughs> so you've got all of that. Um, yeah, so then they kind of get on a, a steamboat down to um, New Orleans again. And Naveen's basically about to say he really likes Tiana. And this is the first time he says Tiana and not princess or um, anything kind of like, because he's meant to be this playboy, isn't he? Where women aren't, yeah, they aren't a person. It's, oh, all the women love a kiss from Naveen. Oh, I'm so subtle with the ladies. They're, they're not, there's something for him to have fun with. Whereas at this point you could say he's kind of progressed or learned from his ways and he, sees Tiana as a like she's a she's she's a human being she's got feelings like you can't just womanize this person so that is the first time he says her actual name um but before of course like every story arc before it gets good it gets bad and he gets captured um, but yes and then um Tiana Thick is like they go into the Mardi Gras parade I love the way Mardi Gras has all been animated fun to look at um yeah. Fun fact, one of the floats features a, um, like a Mermaid King, and it's apparently based on Triton from The Little Mermaid. Pretty funky. Oh. And obviously Tiana sees Naveen, and she's like, oh shit, he, he, don't, he don't actually love me. I thought he was going to tell me he loved me. What a bitch! Heads off. <laughs> but obviously Naveen is under this, like, curse again. Um... And Ray's like, no, you've got to understand this is the actual truth. Here is, like, this little talisman thing. This is what's happened. Um, and so we get this whole kind of kerfuffle, don't we, in the graveyard. And the, the graveyard's pretty spot on as well. Apparently there's a lot of um, places in New Orleans um, and across America, I think, where these cemeteries were done where they kind of gated everything because they were scared of, yeah. like, the dead coming yeah. back to life again. Like, um, And they're very pretty cemeteries as well. Like, as much as, you know cemeteries are pretty like dour places yeah. pretty tell like, that, i mean like, massive headstones and shit with like really yeah cool things on, yeah it's a it weird kind of cool. there's a weird like 
and this is definitely not going to be a universal thing. I don't, I don't agree. I don't think many people are going to agree with me here, and I don't even expect you guys to. But a cemetery is like, if you go into a cemetery, it conveys a really particular weird mood, and I think it that sort of mood and ambience creates different feelings for many people in a really weird way, and I do not know what it is that causes it. If I'm around a cemetery, it's so quiet and so personal and so lonely while being surrounded by so much, it puts me into a really weird, peculiar, like creative headspace. I've had some like pretty decent ideas while in a cemetery and I don't quite understand. <laughs> Maybe you, I'm just like terrified that I'm going to end up there without friend. doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but this is the thing. I definitely think that's, that, that's a culture thing, isn't it? Because we very much associate, we don't look at death in a good way. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the whole of Europe or just us, but death isn't spoke about in our culture. Whereas you look at um, like the Mexican culture and how they celebrate death. Like death isn't the end. Like yeah. you learn to like a cemetery is a place where, like you say, like Coco did this week. That was my first like not first proper, but like that was where I kind of was able to learn a little bit more and then research it after with the way that they like decorate tombstones and make it yeah. like this amazing place and they take their kids and they remember it all and whereas like you said our oh, graveyards are right shove them in the ground whack a headstone yeah. and so like I can imagine why you kind of get these inspirations I used to love and I, I don't know if this is because I just love like architecture and like design and stuff but I used to love wandering around like old cemeteries because you look at things and it's all like interesting and you learn things so i 100 percent get that yeah. about being finding it creative <laughs> we're all just as weird as each other <laughs> i was gonna put a thing you want to find ones that are like 100 years old and you can only just see the thing and you're like yeah my guy mm, i'm like, here i remember you <laughs> that, i mean like, that's something else that like that weirdly inspires me is like when i see when I see any, literally any building in a state of disrepair, my first thought is, at one point that was new, and there's a very good chance that it was like celebrated. Whoever was involved in the production of this building was probably very happy to have it produced. It was probably done for a very specific reason, probably created a lot of jobs, and there was probably like a particularly celebratory vibe and ambience around this place. And now it's barely standing. And like, isn't that like fascinating and interesting? There's an entire story that is being told, but you're being denied the details. It's, yeah, I have it's that exact feeling. When I used to go to work, when I used to live over in Salford, there's this um, old, and you can tell it was a theater and it had a massive banner on the front for bingo. So it clearly been bought by someone else, but something else. And it, like I said, I used to drive past it on the bus every day and be like, that could be a beautiful little independent theatre, but yeah. it's literally yeah. crumbling. So I Googled it and the pictures from when it was a theatre, oh my God, it was gorgeous. And like you say, it just shows that all these places that, you know, have a story and a history and are just going to be gone in a couple of years. It's insane. Um, but yes, so we get this whole kerfuffle. Um... And Ray's, we get, obviously, Ray's does a lot to try and save them all, but he does actually get stepped on, which is cruel, (laughs) by Dr. Facilier. Um, And it doesn't kill him straight away, but obviously he then does pass away. And that, mate, 10-year-old me was in fucking tears when that happened. Jesus Christ. Um, So after Tiana tries to break the talisman, um, and, you know, she's nearly tricked by him by being like, I can give you what you want, but let's be honest, it's not going to be exactly what you want because I'm a dick. Um, I I think one of the reasons why Dr. Facilier is such a good antagonist 
is because of how suave and charming he is. Yeah. He's so (laughs) good at manipulating you that you'd give in and then you'd be like, shit, why have I done that? You were so hot and sexy, damn. Like that, there's that bit uh, uh, during his song which is, is now like a big TikTok meme, but I love it so much. And it's Keith David's performance that's really carrying it through. And it's just where he goes, would you shake a poor sinner's hand? And I'm like, yeah, I would. Yeah. Give me that damn hand. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the like comparing it to other Disney villains, like Cruella de Vil, fucking terrifying. Uh, so fucking yep. terrifying. Like, but not as terrifying as Vasilio could be. So yeah, like that, 10 out of 10. Um, but then obviously she breaks it and he gets sucked back to the underworld, kind of the other side. That's again terrifying, the idea of being pulled into a grave. And then long story short, Lawrence gets taken to prison. Charlotte gets told everything and she's like, fuck it, yeah, like you said, I'll, I'll kiss you and it's the right thing to do. Doesn't work. But Tiana and Naveen are like, mm, we like each other. Let's just crack on anyway. But because she becomes a princess, when they smoochy, smoochy, smooch, we get a typical Disney, like, pretty transition. <laughs> and then they're back to normal. Um, and then they get married in real life and they get the restaurant. And, you know, Louis gets to, Louis gets to be in the band. Everyone's happy. The end. Yeah. <laughs> So just done that at the beginning. Just married her at the beginning, and then she become a princess. They turn back. I mean, I know it's the twenties and divorce. Probably then wasn't really like a. <laughs> well, no, it's know, about like, it's about true love's kiss. That's what the, that's what it's oh, yeah, saying, guess, Joe. Yeah, it's but, true love's kiss. Because this is the, this is the <laughs> this yeah, is the weird thing. But, I think that this movie tries to strive uh, straddle straddle these two two conflicting ideas. One of them. See, I think as I think, depending on whether or not you're a child or an adult, it depends on the strength of the other and weakens the other. So, the idea of the true love's kiss is a nice, fun little thing that everyone can get behind as a kid, because the idea of companionship and love is uncomplicated and just nice, you know. So when it solves the magic curse, you're like, that's cool, whatever. I don't have an issue with that. The other side was just jobs and boring stuff, so I don't get invested in that. But there is like a really specific, Tiana makes a point of how we don't get to see the other one, but she's working two jobs to make her dream come true. And again, not just using actual history, but parallel to what's going on now, plenty of people of color are actively told by their parents that you have to work twice as hard than a white person would have to do to make the, to get what you want sometimes a career and a job and what you really want to do in life is actually like hugely massively important and some people park relationships and personal things to pursue those things and that is actually fine so when dig a little deeper kind of like shoves that mood away when you know when tiana's like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna work hard and become a human and open my restaurant and they dismiss it as like stupid girl it's all about love (laughs) you know (laughs) i'm kind of like well no hang on there's like something really real there that you're kind of touching upon that and it's great that he's involved once it all comes through and works out he's involved in the restaurant and he's no longer about just getting rich to have lots of money it's about pursuing dreams and having fun and making a community and that's really rad but like that sort of comes after the fact you kind of have to reside in i guess i'll just be a frog now <laughs> it's 
weird. <laughs> rub it, rub it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'm, that's me done. Fair dues. Well, so what we're going to do <laughs> is we're going to go around in a circle and give any final thoughts we have on the Triangle, movie and bro. individual scores. Oh, triangle. Got, well, to be fair, I've got Jacob's comments. I've not read them. Um, oh, go on. But we'll see. Well, so we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll oh, do it you. in order. Okay. Shall I try and... Shall I do his voice? This is... Um, hello. Um, <laughs> Jacob from Knott's. <laughs> we'll get to He's him. He's going to hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia, kick okay. us off and I'll do maths so, yeah, and stuff. So, like I said, I saw this film as a kid and it still really sticks for me. I still really enjoy it. I rewatched it this morning and I really did enjoy it. I love a bit of jazz. So the soundtrack's great for me. Like you said, it's not perfect. It's not great. Disney and the world has still got a lot, you know, to learn. But you know, these these changes are what's going to make it. And and you no, know, we'll get there. We will get there. And yeah. I reckon. Can I can I do a point five? Are we allowing that now? Yeah, I'm allowing point five. Okay. Yeah. I think this film is a solid eight point five. Personally. Eight. Point five could be great. Isn't there like, yet? Let's ask Jacob. Um, I like this movie personally. I definitely enjoy it more than some of the other Disney princess movies. I'd Why say it's like on. All the twists. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. Is it more nasally? Like I'd say it's on par with Tangled, <laughs> Frozen, and Moana. But I know it's and understand the ways it definitely missed a few marks with its appeal to non-white communities. But overall, I personally enjoy it. So I'm going to go with a seven. (laughs) Thank you, Jacob. (laughs) He sounded like he wasn't quite from... I don't know, he sounded like he's from, like, not quite the, the East End. Just a little bit further out. He was kind of like... <laughs> do you know like, what it sounded like? An American trying to do a British accent. <laughs> it did, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm from London. Oh, That's what it sounded like. Like, I love tea and scones. That's what it sounded like. Uh, Joe, let us know. Um, you know, I like this film. I mean, I knew that going into it that I was it was going to be a fun old time because it's you know it's a Disney film, Disney princess film. You know, it, it, you know, I, I knew, I didn't realize that I knew some of the songs. The only ones that I recognized when we watched it was the Friends on the Other Side. I knew that one, and the down, um, the Bayou one. What what is it? Down, down by down. the Bayou. Yeah, that one. Yeah. They're the two that I knew, um, just from the general thingy. But the others, I mean, the other rest of the songs were good. I like the rest of the songs. It's a fun old time, you know. I, I'll probably watch it again at some point, whether it's with a kid, whether it's just in general. Who knows? The future will tell me. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that no, was good. Um, I'll give it. Oh, I'll give it. A, I'll give it an eight. Give it an eight. An eight. Nice. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel like I've... Oh, the animation of... was good as well. That was one of my... That was the reason <laughs> I hired it. So. I forgot to mention the animation. Like, when it's the animation, like the backgrounds, like the way that when it's hand-painted and stuff, it just looks so much better. It just looks yeah. so much better. That's why it's I totally fun. agree. So, yeah. I, th- I think, I, I think, yeah, I think the criticisms of this movie that I and many, many, many others have shared 
uh, are t totally valid um, and shouldn't be ignored. There's, but there's weird things like discussing the movie. I thought I was going to come down harsher on it in some areas. Like, for example, I liked Dr. Facilier coming out of it, but I focused, and this is, this is totally a me problem. Sometimes I focus too much on the like mechanistic ways movies are put together, which is totally unfair for me to just say, oh, well, his motive wasn't very clear for a chunk of the movie. <laughs> Doc points. <laughs> kind of. I'm kind of ignoring a lot of the cooler elements. Keith David's performance was amazing. The design was fun. The way he's animated is amazing. Is really, really cool. Yeah, he's one of the coolest Disney villains has ever been. And just because I didn't understand him for a bit, big deal. You know, <laughs> there's worse things. <laughs> the animation, as you say, is absolutely gorgeous. The soundtrack is incredible. Um, there is a lot to like about this movie. There is a lot of positive stuff about it as well. Um, and... <sighs> I think I'm going to go with a seven as well. Uh, mostly positive, uh, but I have to acknowledge some problems. So that gives us an overall score of... Hang about... Uh, 76.25. That's all right. <laughs> which, place, <laughs> which places it at number 17, just under Memento, just above Princess Mononoke. I forgot we watched Memento. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that your episode? Jacob, no, who's Jacob? Oh, Jacob, Jacob yeah. oh man, I forgot we watched that, Jesus. Um, so that brings us to the most important part of the show, and that's finding out what we're going to be watching next week. And it is going to be Jacob. Uh, next week's movie is another first for the podcast, I'm pretty sure. I think it's still classed as a film. Oh, just, just go full Cockney. You, you, you're, you're like half of the way there. <laughs> It. It's been out. pretty highly anticipated, and oh, it's it's going to be available on Disney Plus from July fourth. Next week's movie, it's gonna be Hamilton. I so. Okay, I mean, I've, I've never seen it, and I'm gonna watch it tomorrow. So, is it no? It's not tomorrow. Yeah. No. Saturday. Saturday. Dude, it's Saturday. Saturday. It's being called Super Saturday here because the pubs are opening. <laughs> indeed uh yeah cool i'm excited to fucking watch hamilton i'm a musical fan i've not seen it should be fun I've, I've listened to like the soundtrack and stuff uh right cool thanks very much for joining us on this episode about princess and the frog let us know what you think of the movie and this episode in the comments down below if you've been uh watching us on youtube consider searching for us on your favorite podcasting apps and listening to us on the go by searching for the outside movie podcast and if you have been listening to us check us out in our video form by searching for the same over on youtube Follow us on social media for updates about new episodes and the clips and fun things on Twitter and Instagram, searching for the real outtakes. I'm fucking nailing this outro now. This Holy good. shit. <laughs> See you next time. Peace out.